Ian. Hello, Dave. And today we have a guest. We've lured yet another unsuspecting person. Uh, my my good friend Joe Wirtz is here. Hello, Hello boys. Joe. Hello, Joe. Excited to be here. It's fantastic to have you. Well, thank you. So Joe, other than being a fantastic liar, is uh, the <laughs> climate editor for Colorado Public Radio. That's it. Um, yeah. And so we've we've known each other for a long, long time. You used to work with my wife. That's true. Um, back in Oklahoma. Yes. And uh, in between there, you've had a bunch of different jobs, but your beat has kind of been, for the last several years, uh, the climate and environmental uh, concerns as a, as a whole, right? Yeah. Uh, let's see. For yeah. Uh, sorry, just thinking about it. For, for, for the last decade, uh, my beat um, has been exclusively uh, climate, the environment, you know, energy um, by way of climate and the environment, mostly. Um, uh, mostly in Oklahoma, and, and then I went to D.C. for a few years to do some investigative climate reporting, and then over here. Um, where we are now, Denver, uh, for to to work with Colorado Public Radio. I, I run the run the team there. Uh, we've got three really good journalists covering climate uh, and environment exclusively, um, which I think is the biggest climate team uh, outside of some of the really big coastal um, news outlets like the Times or the uh, you know Washington Post and stuff. So we've got a really big team and a dedicated station. That's awesome. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So being climate centric and like I could I could tell like the 10 year, like the decade, like once you were doing the math in your head, I could see the 10 year hit you mentally. <laughs> right. Yeah. There was that pause where it was like, oh, this number just got real. Right. Like yeah, when you went to two digits. Right. Sure. Um, how do you as as someone focusing on climate centric things, how do you not walk into the ocean every day like do you get and and also if this is a cliche question i i, I apologize yeah sorry no it's not um yeah it's it can be a lot i mean the stuff that's uh immediately risky is scary i mean we're we're coming up on peak wildfire season here in colorado yeah probably a dozen fires burning uh, across the state right now as we sit um so that's scary you know i've, I've covered uh lots of uh, severe weather that's worsened by uh, climate change. That's just immediately scary. But I, I think what you're hitting on is sort of the <laughs> existential uh, dread of 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 covering this beat. And you know, th that's there. I I'm probably I don't know. I don't I don't. As far as environmental journalists go, I I, I would think that this would put me in a weird small category. But I'm actually an optimist um, okay. about this stuff. I I <clears throat> genuinely think that we're going to figure figure this out. I, I, I don't think it's going to be pretty or easy. I, I think there's going to be consequences along the way. Those are going to be unequal. Um, they're going to hit um, some people more, and that's not to be taken lightly. But I, I do think this is a, 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 a problem that we can solve. Um, and that, you know, humans are survivors and we're good right. at adapting and there's an entrepreneurial case, I think, for figuring out a lot of these, these problems, right? These, these big uh, building blocks um, that are the, 
the, the kind of uh, tentpole problems in climate change, there's there's an incentive to figure a lot of this stuff out. Um, so I, I'm an optimist. I think it'll be rough and a, and a bad time, but I guess, so I guess a short-term pessimist, long-term optimist, I guess is the way to put it. I, when I, I hear pragmatic, right? Like right. it's not just like, you know, like it's going to be fine. Like mission accomplished banner behind be yes. you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Right. You know, climate check. Pack it up, boys. We did it. <laughs> no, it's not going to be like that. Uh, right, right. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I, I think there is a pragmatic case for, uh, you know, non-long-term climate alarmism. Uh, but, you know, in the short term, there's a lot to figure out and a lot going completely haywire. So, you know, sure. not to ignore any of that or be glib about any of those problems. And, um, uh, but I, you know, I, 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 I do, I do think there's big incentives to figure this out. <laughs> uh, not least of which is survival. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, well, an, oh, go ahead, Ian, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that I, I think that's, we're in the same place, but that, you know, I think that we sort of talk about this discussion as though there's like, like three possible positions, like we're doomed, everything, you know, it's all hoax and there's no, there's nothing to worry about. And then like the middle ground, but that middle ground represents like infinite number of like possible scenarios, right? Absolutely. I, yeah. If you just, yeah, statistically you look at this bell curve that there's a big chunk in the middle that represents a lot of different outcomes in there and i'm i'm somewhere in there i think the answers are somewhere in there and the problems are somewhere in there but you're right it's not it's a spectrum and a gradient um and not and not a uh yeah not three positions there's not a centrist position and a right. doom and a, and a right. pollyanna position right exactly and I, and i think what we're you know what something that we talk about a lot is how um sort of like all these competing interests are sort of competing for one of those possible outcomes yep. in the middle. And, you know, car enthusiasts should be uh, part of that conversation sure. because th those are going to be really like, um, you know, intentional things that happen yep. along the way. Right. So if you want to be part of uh, the end result. If we want to have a space for our hobby in the end result, then we need to be part of the conversation now. Absolutely. And I will say that the most, I mean, if you're a car person or a tech person, you know, there's a lot to be optimistic about and a lot of cool stuff going on. I mean, that's the space where there is cool stuff going on and stuff to be excited about and get into. So if you geek out on tech, you geek out on cars, if you geek out on infrastructure, which is seems absurd, um, I, I recently had uh, uh, CPR is a great transportation reporter, uh, Nate Miner. He's was recently added to my team because there's a lot of cl climate crossovers there. But he's just you know uh, he's he geeks out on transportation stuff, and I've gotten gotten super into that stuff too. And it, it all links into this car stuff and this this tech stuff, and 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 so out of everything. Um, a lot of this, I think, is there's no reason not to be excited about some of this stuff coming down if you're if you're a car person or you're a tech person. I mean, there's just man, there's a lot of cool stuff going on, and it's things are happening at such a breakneck pace. Right. Yeah. It, yeah, absolutely. The things it, the things that are happening and the things that are going to prolong like automotive enthusiasm do not look the way that they used to. Right. They're not like you know 
the Chevelle with the 454, right? right? They're not, you know, like no catalytic converters, right? There's the landscape is changing, but enthusiasm is still present, right? And I think that carries through like a lot of pastimes that impact the climate in a negative way, right? Yeah, although it's not pastimes that are a lion's share of the problems, you know, with the climate. It's one person in a car going to work. That's a big chunk of the problem. Right. You know what I mean? It's it's not hobbyists, you know, having a and you know whatever indulgent you know emissions indulgent activity that they're doing. It's not, um, it's not, you know, hobby pilots, you know, out for VFR VFR flights on sunny days with their with their kids, you know, that are the problem. It's the, it's, 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 it's just enormous, you know, tons and tons and tons of jet fuel and, and, you know, in commercial airspace. So I, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Although I think, um, I don't know, maybe I think some of the worry is misplaced. Well, and I, I, we, I think that's absolutely right. And we, we on the show have talked a lot about like trying to delineate between car culture which I think a lot of people use that term to mean both like enthusiasts and hobbyists and, but also America's and the West's like reliance on individual cars and then commuter culture, which I think is a better description of, of, of the latter um, piece of that. Boy. And commuter culture is tough to crack. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's hard. I mean, in a place like Colorado, certainly in a place like Oklahoma where I'm from, I mean, it's, it means something more to people, you know, it, it represents something. It's, it's a visceral thing. I mean, we, we get uh, every time we write about electric cars, public transit, um, you know, trains and buses and bus rapid transit. And, you know, we get lots of feedback from people that are worried that their cars are going to be that, that they're, you know, these are not enthusiasts that are worried about their, 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 you know, their, old Camaro they're working on in their garage. These are people that just don't want to be told how to get to work every day. Right. Um, and so that's a, that's a bigger, bigger question. Um, and a, a, and a tougher one because it, I don't know, it, 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 it people feel, f- feel something different about that, um, that they react very, uh, have a real visceral reaction to. Hey, tell us a little bit more about that dialogue between like kind of the feedback that you get versus that reporting. Well, I mean, we stick with what, um, I mean, we want to report, um, we want to meet people where they're at and report, you know, uh, um, report fairly on this stuff. I mean, we, we do talk to, you know, drivers who are, um, uh, who are worried about this. We, we talk about the struggles, um, you know, on one hand, you've, you've got city planners, you've got transportation planners, um, and in, in some cases, talking out of both sides of their mouth, um, they, they, on one hand, are very much um, trying to enact policies that discourage things like single, uh, single, you, single drivers, you know, going to work every day. I mean, they talked here in Colorado about, you know, finding major employers, maybe people with, you know, companies that have a hundred plus people there, and, and. Um, you know, uh, finding them if they don't offer work from home or don't offer some sort of carpool op- option or a public transit eco pass type of thing. A- and then, you know, at the same time, they'll want to assure people that we are building more roads. We're not going to stop building roads. We're not going to stop maintaining them. 
Um, so, you know, on one hand, they are, it is a form of sort of engineering, you know, uh, social engineering. Um, and, and then on the other hand, they want to assure people that they're not doing that. Um, so it's tricky. We do want to report both, 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 uh, um, both from, you know, uh, it's not a both sides thing, but it is a, um, we want to hear from people on that because it is a big change. And, and frankly, you know, uh, public transit is not where it needs to be for people to get where they need to go. I mean, I was spent two years in DC. We had sold a car before we went there. The other car just sat in front of our house for you know, two years. Um, cause you could just get everywhere you needed to be on the Metro essentially. And it was, um, I liked cars. I didn't love the idea of selling my car, but you just, you know, just don't need it there. And, uh, that's not the case here. And it's certainly not the case, uh, outside of Denver. Right. Um, it's just not set up and we're a long way from, from doing that. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if I answered your question, but I, I do think we want to hear from both of those, uh, people. And there, uh, there is a, both a strong constituency of people all over the place that want to keep their cars that want to drive. And, and then people that are mass transit, walk it, bike it, uh, type, type folks. And, and then, um, there's people that say, uh, you know, maybe we don't have to discourage people from driving if they're taken in a, you know, taking a, a hybrid to work or taking an electric car in. Right. Um, yeah, I think that, that argument's very interesting. It's a totally, that's another whole other can of worms, right? Cause then you talk about like how the electricity is generated and, how far you have to drive the car before who can afford an electric car and a right. level whatever charger that plugs into 220 right yeah are you going to street park an electric car i mean mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of other stuff that gets opened up with that but I, you know i i think one of the things too that's interesting about colorado at least is like i think that the people who would advocate for more public transport for sort of monday through friday day-to-day -day activities and you know trying to design the city to use less have less traffic and all that sort of stuff would also really want their car for the weekend right because we have sure. that granola crunchy people who love to go out and hike and you're not going to build public transport to every trailhead in colorado like it's just not going to happen well they are going to put an electric charging station at every park yeah so That's i mean i i think they're making big, 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 big moves on this stuff. I mean, uh, you're right. Um, there is, I mean, the range anxiety is real. It's, it's still right. a real problem. Um, but I mean, we, we've, we did a story on the mayor of Salida, <laughs> who's this weird, funny guy who owns like a bar down there. He was like one of the first had like, was one of the first charging stations, like kind of out there. And he, it was just like a long bet on like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull people in. And I think at first it was like a novelty. You know, people came down there to, you know, it was like the place where you could go take your Tesla, stop for the day, come back. And, you know, it really worked out for him. Now he's, you know, now he's the mayor and he's expanding this. He's, he's big on it. He's inking these deals. You know, he had some. I think Rivian who wanted, I think it was Rivian. Wanted, yeah. He's in a fight with Rivian right now about, yeah. Rivian wanted to install. It's got a proprietary charger and he mm -hmm. was like, Nope, not doing it. Um, and so they're going to install, I think they're going to install like 
non-proprietary chargers along with his proprietary charger in order to like oh cool yeah but so i i think we're seeing this stuff people are not going to want to be left out you know of, of this stuff um at least on a tourism tourism level um but people are going to get left out um of being able to get an electric car afford it what do you do if you live in an apartment um yeah. how are you going to charge that thing <laughs> um yeah, I think there's there's major equity issues with this stuff, but um, things are moving quick. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So shifting gears for just a second. So I just want to, you know, we've we've known each other for a long time, and like we've talked about cars a lot over the years. Um, you know, what is your kind of like? What was sort of your like first like? Oh, cars are cool, sort of thing. Was it? Was it magazines? Was it like some uh, a neighbor that had a car? What what was it that kind of drew you in? I know you had a, a motorcycle for a long time. We we kind of call that car puberty, right? Mm, yeah. Car yeah. puberty. Yeah. Right. Um. You know, I wasn't. I've always been into uh, like mechanical stuff and like wrenching on stuff. I, I, so I've always been into that. Um, I had a neighbor that had a mini bike, a little trail, you know, Honda Trail. Mm-hmm. um that i was absolutely obsessed with my mom wouldn't let me go anywhere near it or uh, maybe <laughs> or maybe nowhere uh near this kid in particular um but uh yeah that's it <laughs> yeah that's awesome adorable uh, little mini bike yeah uh wait no that's a new one yeah uh, yeah look up uh maybe trail 50 trail 70 okay sure. um there oh, yeah, we go. these little it's guys. Like a pit yes. Bike. yes. Um, um, yeah, so, Dermot in the Venture Brothers has one of those. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, the yellow one's awesome. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I, probably the anti car guy thing. I just was super into uh, um, uh, mechanical stuff, wrenching on stuff. I love, love that stuff. My first car was a 86 Bronco. Mm-hmm. I loved that thing. I loved working on it. I loved bolting things onto it. Um, That's the I've OJ ba- Bronco, right? I have really bad news for you, Joe. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> that thing is worth an insane amount of money now. It is. Yeah, my uh, it did. Uh, I left for college. It was not a super reliable car when I left for college, and uh, my dad sold it. Mm. Yeah, because it was just an old car then. It was just an old junk, junk yeah. car at that point. Um, yeah. yeah, I love that car. Um, I really loved wrenching on it. My neighbor had a cool Land Cruiser that I loved. Um, that was that first, um, not the first one, but the second one with the, it looked like a Wagoneer, uh, body style. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, that one was sweet. Um, I had a friend that had a nine, uh, 944 Porsche turbo, this rich kid I knew that car was sweet. Sure. Um, scary uh scary scary car yep that's it mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and yeah so i had a co- bunch of friends with interesting cars uh i had a friend with a an rx7 which oh, was yeah. awesome um had a friend with a an old supra not not the 94 body style but the one before that the batmobile looking one yeah. oh yeah yeah mark three uh, i think yeah Mm-hmm. So yeah, all those cars, love all those cars, um, but really into the mechanic stuff, which is how I got into the, the motorcycle stuff. 
uh, bought an old Honda bike um, and loved wrenching on that thing, even if uh, I never really got it working that well. I still have that bike. It's back in Oklahoma. Oh, you nice. do? Oh, yeah. yeah you nice. need to bring it out here. It'd be perfect I know. for I, around. I got Denver. it in a guy's garage down there. Um, I was kind of secretly hoping he'd he'd wrench on it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a snap-on dealer. Uh, oh, so okay. I thought uh, maybe he'd, you know, maybe he'd work on it a little bit, do some of the stuff I don't know how to do. Uh, <laughs> well, if you pay him in installments for the rest of your life, probably. <laughs> My mom had a Miata, uh, the original uh, oh, yeah. first uh-huh. gen Miata. Um, that thing was awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Now yeah. it's there. It is in the uh, the middle there, with the uh, the blinky lights. Pop up headlights. Pop up headlights. Right. Yep. That was sweet too. That's probably worth a lot now. I mean, finding an untouched one is ins- is crazy hard. Yeah. But yeah. 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 Right. So there's a there's actually a company in uh out of Grand Junction um called Flying Miata. Mm. Um, they are very famous for building super fast Miatas like V8 swaps and turbo swaps Jeez. and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. We had a pulley system to get the uh, hard top. Yeah. Uh, like hoisted to the ceiling and, uh-huh. and back. Dave yeah. just moved into a house with one of those in the garage and we were like, what the hell is this? For a Miata. Yeah. It's for a target top, either a target top IROC or a Miata. Yeah. I, I was thinking, <laughs> I, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking some, some kind of topper adjacent, uh, you know, yeah use case yeah probably nice. a canoe though here right <laughs> or, I, I live on a golf course now which is just insane mm. but uh so it's probably some golf bullshit who knows yeah <laughs> <laughs> something with clubs or tees i don't know yeah um, i keep i keep telling dave that i'm gonna get i'm gonna go over to his house and drink a whole lot and then just start throwing golf balls out onto the <laughs> oh little little golf club psyop yeah, I like it. <laughs> You're welcome anytime, anytime. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to play a game, Joe, and I think this will, I think this will this will spark some more conversation about our main topic. So this is a uh, uh, FMK cars. Dave, you want to explain? FMK Cars is a game we play on the show. It's based on the classic game of Fuck, Mary Kill, but instead of playing it with people, we play it with cars because we're not gross and we don't objectify people like that, right? So we're going to give you three cars, and after you're presented with those three cars, you get to decide FMK. F means you drive it for a day. M means you marry it. Uh, that's your daily driver. K means you send it to the crusher. You, you don't get to enjoy it at all. All right. Now, you grabbed a pen and paper like aces, Joe, like you're crushing it. I love it. And uh, (laughs) there we go. So, uh, Ian, does does this one have a title? Ian loves writing titles for these. It does. Uh, This one is called Maintaining the Status. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Cars with a policy twist. Okay. So in this one, you're going to get a car and then you're going to get a way in which you get to make decisions about our collective uh, transportation and climate policy. Mm, mm, Okay. mm, mm. Okay. All right. So the first one is a 2021 Tesla Model S. Okay. We live in a Musk-esque utopia Mm -hmm. with mandatory autonomous electric cars. Mm. Um, I have a theory about this later we could get into. 
I Ooh, definitely I want to hear. Have, I have Elon talk uh, on on the thing, so I'm excited to talk about it. Um, but no other changes to mass per- tra- mass transportation or city design, and we'll say roughly the same mix of power generation. As okay. Now, okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do all, all our right. children have to have weird like names with ampersands? And <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, we're all gonna be named after um fucking star wars characters now okay. all right um all right so the next one is a 2021 ram 1500 trx four-wheel drive okay i picked this specific one for a reason that it will become clear um you can design the transportation policy for the entire united states and how that transportation is powered however you may not avail yourself of anything but the ram the truck also, the truck is vinyl wrapped with the combined fuel economy number. That'd be 12 MPG, which <laughs> makes it the worst fuel economy of any car for sale right now outside of like a Rolls Royce. Uh, and obviously, this makes you a social pariah. Social, okay. Just to, to be clear, though, I, you get to then design the transportation ecosystem. You're in charge, yes. In charge. But so, Perfect. so that. In mind, keep in mind that if you had designed your ideal system to be not car hospitable, that means you're stuck with the with the truck. You can't you can't then take public transportation. Got it. Yeah. Last one, 1961 Lincoln Continental convertible. Mm-hmm. The world of climate policy and transportation is as it is today. No changes. And that's it. And and that's it. You, you have to live with the fact that you decided not to make any changes. We're gonna now Joe is taking notes because he's a professional reporter. What what color do you is want? Making your... us uncomfortable because we're not used to professionalism in our midst. What color do you want your Connie, Joe? Mm, is there a mint green? Oh, we can make one. We can. Yeah, yeah there we go. There's a close. Yeah, there we go. A little teal awesome. action for you. I like yeah. that. Yeah, right. Love That's those cars awesome. so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're all That's just staring, pretty. silently <laughs> staring at a picture of a Lincoln Continental. Doesn't necessarily make for a good podcast, but hey. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good looking car. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. you have the Tesla Model S, mm-hmm. the Musk-esque utopian society mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. the ram trx where y- you get a clean sheet of paper and you have at it right but you are stuck with the trx okay and everyone knows it gets 12 miles to the gallon okay the lincoln continental and you things just are the way they are okay you just you just walk away you pull like a what's it, uh val kilmer in heat in the white Camaro, <laughs> <laughs> just drive. So, are away. we all playing this, or is this just for the? This cast? is this, this is, is just, just for, for you, you. Joe. Just okay, you. this is this is okay. I got it. Um, so, I'm killing the Lincoln Continental. Mm. Wow. Okay. I don't think it's acceptable that things uh, um, are not going to stay. Are things staying same is no course uh, for us. So, um, and if they were going to stay the same, this would not be the car to make that argument. So, okay, uh, we're killing that off. Um, um, I think I would F the model S. Okay. Um, I would like to dabble in the Musk verse, but I don't 
think I want to be permanently there. Okay. Um, they seem fun. I've ne- I've never. Uh, it seems like it's, they seem fun, but I, I don't think the the long term. Uh, yeah, long term. I don't I don't want to live in the Musk first. Right. Uh, right. Which leads me to marry the Ram fifteen hundred uh, TRX. My argument is <clears throat> yes. First off, it looks it looks kind of fun. <laughs> um, we're, we're all like, I'm from Missouri. You're yeah. from Oklahoma. Yes. This brings out that stuff. Yeah, it brings in out us, that. Right. Could, yeah. uh, could I, so being stuck with that seems awesome. It seems problematic, uh, going forward, but if you get to design the system, I, I think you'd be a pariah. Um, you say pariah. I, I think you'd actually be a martyr. Okay. Okay. And so, to be clear, would, no one's going to know that you're responsible for everything else. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I, I think I, I think I would I think I would do I would, I would bite the bullet, have a lot of fun in the 1500 TRX. I'd be uh, one little blip by changing the whole transportation system, which I've I would outsource to people much smarter than me. Um, <laughs> and then I would just I would I'd move out to Missouri or Oklahoma uh, and 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 ride this thing around. Uh, where people wouldn't have to see the uh, 12 mile per gallon final wrap. And uh, those are my answers and I'm sticking with them. I, I okay. like it. Just ripping dirt roads is a life I want to lead. I yeah. mean. In a utopia, right? In a transportation yeah. utopia. That you You'd probably have to hoard gasoline like you're Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay i like that ian that was that was well done thank you i just wanted to get a feel you know for where the priorities are is it fun is it altruism yeah i was gonna say joe's not looking out for number one turns out you're a good person which is obnoxious (laughs) (laughs) that trx is ridiculous right yeah Yeah, we uh it does look fun though we were at a press event a while ago back when those were still a thing and they put us in a Ram, uh, I don't know. It was a, a Ram power wagon. Power wagon. <laughs> and, and it brought out all the Missouri in me. Like it his all. Voice, like, his <laughs> accent changed. It was amazing. That's awesome. Arthur Bryan's barbecue sauce started coming out of my pores. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. Yeah. Trucks, ma'am. But yeah. So, okay. All right. Um, so Dave, what would you what would you do really quick? Do you know I, do you know what your answer is? I I would do uh I would marry the same thing. I would I would live that truck life for sure, right? Yeah. And then it would just be like mountain bike shuttle runs and everybody's arguing over who gets to rip up the hill in the truck, right? Normally mm-hmm. nobody wants to be the shuttle driver, but in this case that's what everybody would want. That's how you fix that problem by making it a fun car, right? There you go. Um and then I think I would, for a day, I could enjoy the Continental, right? And uh, and just know that, you know, I'm not doing anything, but it's only for a day, right? We all got to take a knee every now and then, right? Sure. Um, yeah. And then I, I will crush the Tesla um, and try to figure out how to responsibly recycle the lithium from the batteries. But, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I like so. I Ian and I have a friend that has a Tesla Model S, and I think one of the great things about the one that he has is that it's it's used. It's like a 2014, maybe 2016. It doesn't have the autopilot stuff, and I think he's 
completely capable of just enjoying it for just the car itself. Like all of the stuff, like without like he doesn't go on Twitter and like instantly like, you know, clap back at people that have valid criticism of Tesla. You know, like he's just like he's capable of just enjoying the thing for what it is and like calling it a day. Right. And Tesla owners that are capable of doing that are are great, you know, and they're cool ass cars. They're big, but they're cool. Um, but yeah, the Muscoverse, you know. Yeah, I I don't know. And then I I don't even know what a Muskian utopia would look like, you know. I yeah. I think we have a glimpse. I think <laughs> yeah. we've seen they're a glimpse of it. Yeah. 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 The rich are putting themselves on spaceships. Yeah, it's Elysium. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Did, did both of you get the same really weird feeling when like we first saw those Falcon nine rockets, like la- like mm-hmm. those three land on their own? Like mm-hmm. it was a weird feeling that I have no words for. Right. I yeah. It was a little I don't strange. Know. Yeah. Like, it was I mean, weird. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm different after seeing that. It was like seeing like a Marvel movie, but like in real life, like, <laughs> I don't know. That messed me up. It messed me up. <laughs> just the motions of it? Yeah, it just didn't seem real, but it was. Like, it kind of shook me. I don't well, know. Well, one of them then exploded. Well, yeah, but I mean, that yeah. always happens with those things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, yeah. Well, but I, I think I think what we're all kind of circling around is what Joe mentioned earlier is, like, the equity problem of some yeah. of the, like, the innovation that we're, that we're moving towards, right? It's like, I think the problem with sort of the the Musk vision is it's all halo car without the rest of the stuff behind it to kind of bring to the masses. Um, And I, I think that he, he and Tesla absolutely deserve credit for like pushing the auto industry to no question, make big investments and making electric cars cool and getting people thinking about them. But like the reality of it is not the utopian thing that I, I think some people believe that it is. I, I I picture a little like Jack Donaghy when like he's trying to like, he's like, well, you go to the grocery concierge and you say, I'd like one sack of potatoes. How much could that possibly be? $400? Like Elon's not thinking about people who live in apartments that don't have 220 outlets owning electric cars. He's not thinking right. about that. He's like, yeah. well, yes, you get out of your helicopter and then you right, right. like th- that like kind of putting himself in, in that person's perspective is not something that is happening. Right. Right. Uh, um, and I don't have a point after that. <laughs> well, but, I, I, I want to ask about the, 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 the sort of fight that we're seeing form. So there's like the classic on the left circular firing squad sort of forming mm-hmm. between uh, sort of this wing, the, the Elon wing of like, uh, high-end electric cars, autonomous technology, which is a huge thing, and then people who are like, no, we, you know, we need to get away from the the car as a concept that we that we base our lives around in general, and like they're both, you know, supposedly we're all working towards that same goal of getting to one of those outcomes in the middle that we talked about earlier, um, but we have like huge disagreements about how we get there and what that end goal ends up looking like. And I'm wondering from just that perspective, from not 
you talked a little bit more about the people who are just kind of averse to hearing about changing things in general, but like, how do you navigate that in your reporting? Like the two kind of big pulls uh, from within the left of, of that um, argument. I mean, the poll is the story. I mean, we want we want to report on that and, and hear about it. Um, so, I mean, it's not much to navigate. We we just tell people, you know, what 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 the prevailing you know forces are and and uh, what regular folks have to say, you know, as much as possible about all this stuff. Um, you know, I, I I it seems like some of this stuff is is gonna self select into pragmatic solutions i i think um cars are a uh, car as a unit of transportation is a problem regardless of emissions so even if it's zero emission uh car you still have to think about where people are going to park right. um, how they're going to move around the city um you still have to think about how cars interact with um people walking around people riding bikes um we saw really this forced experiment in a lot of urban centers during the pandemic where a lot of places shut down city cores to open up dining, to just give more, basically to let restaurants spill into the streets. And a lot of them, a lot of these, uh, you know, um, cities want to keep that because sales tax receipts soared through the roof. They, people, um, you know, uh, were out doing spending, living in, in a way, uh, uh, in an amount and in a way that cities want to preserve. So, you know, that that is separate from a, a question about emissions, right? I mean, that that type of plan, uh, if you want to embrace that, would exclude a Tesla the same as it would a, um, a PT Cruiser. So I think, um, you know, some of this stuff's going to make sense in a city and make sense in an, an urban environment that wants to wants people to live and work a certain way or the people there want to live and work a certain way and, and bike around and walk around. Um, and it's going to make, a, you know, a different equation will make sense for people that live in rural areas or live in right. Colorado Springs where there's, you know, more space and more single family homes. I, I feel like some of this stuff is going to segregate out and, and, and frankly, you don't need a, as much of a managed solution in um, a rural uh community or rural state even maybe, um, then you do, uh, um, you know, you do a, a, a tightly packed urban core. So again, not to be a boring, um, pragmatist about this stuff, but I think some of the stuff will sort itself out. The question now is like people that are already like commuting to an urban core in a, in a car and parking and, and getting out and stuff like that. I mean, it's going to be whatever that transition is, is, is going to be tough. Um, there's going to be growing pains for that too. I also think we're going to see in the future growing pains for communities that aren't able to, that are maybe rural communities that aren't able to upgrade infrastructure fast enough yeah. to keep up with what I think is going to be a real revolution with, which is automated like trucking and like transport, like freight, freight type of stuff. Um, so I think we're going to see a race for that too. Um, so I, I think there's going to be, inequities across the board and a lot of growing pains here, but it, some of it seems like it'll segregate out in ways that'll make sense. So you, you touched on something in your answer there that I want to um, pick out a little bit is that you, you mentioned that um, cities want to keep the 
the expanded dining and the, the kind of the reduced space in the environment for cars uh, because of sales tax receipts and and kind of the increased revenue. And that really drives home the point that like it's really all about incentives rather than it is, um, you know, a sense of altruism or, or you know, really anything else. It's There's a lot of like short-term incentive design that we can do. Um, and I'm just wondering if there's any other things that you've come across in your reporting that are like, that have been positive, um, even though they're like short-term incentives that just drive people to do something that's uh, long-term positive. In, in general or dealing with transportation stuff specifically? Oh, you know, I mean, in general, I mean, transportation, uh, I honestly, I can't think of, <laughs> of another example other than the one that you already cited, but um well i mean you know incentives incentives are tricky i mean um it just, it just depends on what you mean by incentive i mean you've got incentives that are essentially just subsidies and then you've got you know some government entity you know picking a something that they want to support or right. maybe the people want to support but you know you know how that goes with politics so that stuff is always tricky um when it when it comes to the government picking this stuff, um, picking who to incentivize and what to incentivize, um, but I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not an expert on on what type of stuff works, um, uh, but I I do think um, it, it helps to try to try stuff, uh, so we have a data point and 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 we know what does or doesn't work. Um, I mean, there's incentives are a big um, cornerstone of, of a lot of renewable energy. I mean, we've got wind incentives and solar incentives. Um, to some people, that's made a big, um, you know, helps subsidize this stuff so it gets a foothold and, and then the prices come down and then, you know, it, it's, it's in place. Um, and that's the only way that's going to, this stuff is going to work or survive or get a foothold in an industry where dirty energy is, is cheaper and more abundant stuff like that. So I, you know, I'm not an, I don't know all the, I'm not an economist when it comes to understanding all the structure on this stuff, but as somebody that reports on it, I mean, you know, uh, it's, it's nice to see experiments done and, uh, we always look for that and look for the research about these experiments. Um, yeah, we've kind of had a, a massive experiment thrust upon us with COVID, right? Like, Yes, we have. The landscape has forever changed in like remote work uh, attitudes, like all of this kind of stuff. Like we saw what empty roads looked like. We saw like exactly what our kind of footprint was on a day-to-day -day basis. And like, I mean, there's people now that are quitting their jobs when they're being asked to go or forced back to the office to look for other jobs that will allow them to remote work right like mm -hmm. their Absolutely. that their personal culture has changed a hundred percent right and that was foisted upon them and like we talked about earlier in the show what happened humans adapted right like we adapted to that we learned that there was a model out there that works better for us on a personal level right and so here we are right so whether whether it's like an incentive or like looking at something as awful as COVID is like, well, there's still some good things that have come out of it. Right. Um, you know, we're going to be faced with kind of this like buffet of like a few things that kind of drive or change this landscape. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you've got a lot of, uh, 
you know, a lot of reasons people want people back to work. I mean, there's a lot of downtown commercial real estate that depends on it. How many weirdo little restaurants exist downtown right. or little weird businesses that only are there to serve people that work in an office tower? I mean, right. my building's got a little coffee kiosk at the bottom of the building. I mean, they're not taking customers off the street. It exists mm -hmm. to serve the 19 businesses, you know, in that building or whatever. So, you know, there's a strong incentive to do that. The government has an incentive to do that. They make you know, tax money off of, 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 you know, property value and, and, uh, people parking and meters, I'm sure. And, and all this stuff. So I, you know, um, you know, how do we reorient that stuff? I, I, but you're right. I mean, we're in the middle of an experiment. People are saying, no, I'm not going back to work. Um, and you know, um, I get, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see, but it's, it's, it is really fascinating. Uh, but we, I, I thought we saw a big, surge in car buying too right during the pandemic people wanted to get get out of town um, rv sales van sales like all of that stuff just truck sales like that went through the roof like trailers like that shift in like individualized or you know self-packaged yeah you can't get in a national park right now i mean you have to get there yeah. before sunrise if you're going to look at anything other than another person looking at stuff. Oh, well, I, like I haven't even been to a national park since yeah. before COVID. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, wow. Yeah. We went through arches and it was, I mean, it was crazy. It was also like the Jeep safari because we're idiots, but um, it was, yeah, it was crazy there. We were there super early and it was packed. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just go urban spelunking and uh, be all on our own. <laughs> like who wants to walk through an old Avaya building? <laughs> Let's just get one wheels and hit downtown. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. No, it, like when the streets were cleared and everything like a, I, and maybe I can't remember if you said this Ian or not, but like I have a drone. It was like, I, I want to go, you know, should I go fly my drone around on like completely empty streets? Like I honestly it is a great idea, but I couldn't bring myself to it because it made the whole like stress of the situation way more real than I could mentally handle it. You know, I was dealing with a lot, you know, not as much as some people, but you know, I work in healthcare, so it was a mm. lot. Right. Um, sure, and, yeah. and, and I'm one of those people who is never going back to the office. Like I, I've made the switch personally, you know, like I did all my driving today after four thirty PM, you know? Mm. Right. And like, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, it's, I'm, I'm, different i i see no reason to go back to the office on a regular basis you know but yeah but that's that's me you know and so i the way that i'm enjoying my car is differently is different now than it used to be right like and what i would focus on in like my car buying choices right like i i used to have a, a longer commute i would you know i bought my first car with an automatic transmission you know because of a commute my second car, it like I have a big posh Lexus, um, and it's because it's a comfortable place to be, right? Like for that long commute, you know. But now, like, I I'm gonna look at something more fun, you know. Getting I, a rat rod, <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, uh, you know, just a or lowered Volkswagen, a, a, heard, a Honda Trail, a you know, from yeah. someone who uh, who five ten with a roll cage. Yes, yes. You why know, not? why not yes yeah. so yeah i i don't know it's it's different man it's a different time you know and so i i hope that the climate impact like the the stuff that has happened during covid has kind of kick-started some positive 
action towards like one of those positive outcomes, right? That it's been more of a contributing factor to a net positive than a net negative, right? Yeah, it feels like we, you know, we we broke the bolt loose. Uh, I, I think um, it was a forced, uh, forced thing. But man, I, yeah, change is happening. And change is happening quick. Um, you know, uh, you know, in a, in a climate future where people are taking public transit in or carpooling or working from home. And then they have a fun car that they use to hit, you know, uh, uh, get out of town on the weekend or go motor up in the, up in the mountains or, or something like that. I, I, I think, um, from a climate standpoint, that doesn't seem like a bad, a, a bad outcome. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 It's just, I, how do you, how do you get there? Right. How do you destroy, how do you dismantle sort of commuter culture with while still preserving the infrastructure that you need to be able to do that other stuff? Right. Like how do you, it's that, that's the problem that's going to be. I mean, like, do people love commuting? Yeah. I, I no, mean, people I commute all the time, but I, I mean, a few weirdos really do. Uh, yeah. Okay, it, in general. No. Yeah. No, I, you know, I, I, uh, I commuted to work in a car every day, uh, up until I moved to DC and then I, you know, I walked or I took the Metro and, and, uh, it's just a better, more convenient option. You're just going to work. Um, you're going to come home. You know, it's just whatever scheme you come up with to get to work and get to groceries. Yeah, and I'm right. I'm not saying that people. That I'm not talking about it from the human aspect of it. Yeah. I'm talking about it from the, like just the literal like physical space of right. like building a rail line. You know, that you have like a chicken and an egg problem where you have to move like X number of people through this X number of square feet. Absolutely. You know, and so that's one part of it. And then the other part is, you know, fine, uh, the the money side of it is also a zero sum game. Um, and then at the end of it, you know, do we have roads to drive on and gasoline to buy or all the gasoline stations going to go out of, out of business? You know, like there's there's a lot of ways for that to go for to for it to go wrong between here and there and like only a few for it to kind of have that outcome right yeah i mean i don't think <laughs> so, gasoline's gonna go away yeah. anytime soon it may be uh may make your hobby very expensive at some point right. but yes right. um but i i think uh man i people you, you'll be able to get gasoline for a while ian <laughs> it, it, not to take buying like, shotguns <laughs> not to take a darker <laughs> term but like what are the what are the kind of like like broad strokes that do kind of keep you up at night. Uh, climate wise. Yeah. Um, or just like, I mean, we can just unpack the therapy session, right? So tell <laughs> us about your mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, climate is unequal. Uh, it hits uh, people unequally. The worst of the effects are felt by people that are, um, have the least often have the least resources to, uh, to deal with it. Um, I mean, I covered Hurricane Katrina refugees coming into Oklahoma from Louisiana. You know, these are people that could not afford to go stay in a hotel, did not right. have, you know, family with extra space, you know, that could put them up. Um, you know, I, so this stuff, that stuff worries me a lot short term. Um, it's, 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 it's low income people. It's, it's black and brown, non-white people that are often, uh, bearing the brunt of that. And that's, you know, I I have a fairly narrow scope of being mostly 
focusing on things here in the United States and then laser beamed here in Colorado and the Mountain West. But I mean, the story is even more harrowing outside of the country. I mean, you look at a, uh, any of these developing countries where uh, it's just, um, you know, orders of magnitude. Uh, the, the problems are just orders of magnitude uh, sure. larger. So that that scares me and freaks me out. Um, or places where like the highest elevation is like six. That's right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, there's uh, plenty plenty of countries that already don't have reliable infrastructure, or re- reliable power that are that are in harm's way. And um, man, I mean, we're just you look at the uh, frequency and magnitude of extreme weather and hurricanes and wildfires and things like that floods things like you know things of that nature that that worries me um air pollution stuff really uh really worries me we're just in the last few years getting a lot better science on the impacts of air pollution and health it's um we've always known uh that there was a strong link but um i've covered this a lot but really only in the last several years have we really gotten, you know, there's been a congealing of the science around this stuff and it's just, it's, it's, it's nasty and it's bad. Again, low income people, black, black folks, um, Latino folks, uh, largely, um, exposed to this stuff. The kids exposed to it are really vulnerable. Just seeing huge asthma, um, upticks and this stuff is, 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 is bad. So all that stuff, uh, really worries me in the short term. I don't see, a lot of that, um, a lot of quick fixes coming in for any of that stuff. Um, so I think that's, uh, yeah, that, that's the stuff that keeps, keeps me worried. Sure. What do you think like kind of keeps you going about that? Like what, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Like what, what gets feet on the ground besides like morning coffee, espresso? Like, (laughs) yeah. Well, I mean, this is, uh, this is most, I think the most important topic, uh, of the moment. Um, I think, um, it, it crosses, um, you know, we draw these lines on a map and, um, environmental reporting and climate reporting scrambles all that, you know, today in Denver, we're breathing right. smoke, um, that are coming some from some fires here, but a, a, a big percentage of it is coming from fires in Utah, uh, that are burning over there and, uh, coming across here. Um, you know, in Oklahoma, we used to get um, the smog in the air at our national parks came from big coal fire power plants in Texas. Um, so, I, you know, we're all linked together in this stuff. Um, and um, it, it forces, you know, it forces a coming together in, right. in a way that you don't see in other, in other beats. Um, so it forces these conversations to be big, to cross government lines, to to span lots of stuff. And there's, you know, everything is connected. I mean, um, I used to hear all the time I covered, there's this weird spot in Oklahoma where the price of U.S. crude is set. It's in the middle of Oklahoma. It's where there's a pipeline crossroads in this little town called Cushing. Um, There's a bunch of storage tanks there where people will store a bunch of oil and bet that the price is going to go up. And then it goes up. And by the time they pump it into the line, they just make money hedging on that stuff. This just got this massive tank farm. It looks something like like out of a Blade Runner movie. But whenever I would go to a conference or something and I would tell somebody like an international journalist uh, where I was from, they would always ask about Cushing. Um, these would be people from London, people from 
Japan, people from the UAE, the Middle East. Um, because if you were following this industry, you would know what was going on in Cushing. You would know how much oil was there. Um, in some cases, you're flying planes over there to look to look at the shadow that the tops of these floating tanks would cast. So that way you could try to guess how much oil was in there because that would give oh, you an, wow. a trading edge. And so you just realize that you're in this, what you think is a, um, you know, a middle of nowhere, but it's not the middle of nowhere. It's connected. There's some Saudi oil baron that's got hiring some pilot to fly over this thing every day to tell him. Woke up thinking about Cushing, Oklahoma. Woke up thinking about Cushing, Oklahoma. Right, exactly. So it, it's it's a weird way that brings all these weird interests together. I would have no other, if I was in a, in a room with a Saudi, you know, oil minister, we could talk about Cushing, Oklahoma and probably right. talk for a couple hours. And that's super weird. Right. Um, and so. It's very weird. It is super weird. So I that's exciting about this beat and um, this uh, um, this type of coverage is 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 um, how connected it is across the planet. Um, and then I think, look, it's exciting. There's a lot happening. There's a lot of innovation. There's a lot of energy and focus on it. Some of the smartest people are working um, on this problem. Um, you know, some of the most innovation is, is focused here. Um, some, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot. And also look, there's scamsters, you know, hucksters, uh, robber barons and this stuff too. There needs to be a lot of accountability. Cast of characters, right? Got everything okay. you need. Okay. Yeah. Like what's, yeah. what's some, a weird climate centric thing that's happened recently? Like, give me, give me some of the scammers. Give me, give me one of the weirdos. Gosh. You know, I want somebody that's, you know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But enough about Elon. <laughs> yeah, there's the all sorts of stuff. I mean, there's stuff every day. We get all sorts of stuff about the, you know, something being the next uh, climate solution. You know, it's some guys invented right. some, some, some free stuff. energy thing, some free energy thing. Right. Right. Um, gotcha. So, I mean, th there's a ton of stuff. Um, I'm sure there's a Theranos in the climate space somewhere. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Ian, we need to posit somehow get ourselves to be the climate juicero. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love it. Okay. Um, well, I think I think we done did a car-ish show. Car adjacent, certainly. Car adjacent yeah. show. Um and uh, you know, I I thank you so much for coming on because I was we've been we've been talking about these sorts of stuff for a long time, but it's been, you know, obviously one from the perspective of a car enthusiast and two, um, you know, not super well-informed. So uh, it's been awesome to have you on and kind of either validate or uh, tell us we're, we're idiots. Yeah. Hopefully it wasn't too much policy talk. I do love cars and wrenching and stuff. I, you know, uh, I'll come back on and we can just talk purely about old Honda motorcycles or something. <laughs> Yes, yes. We're gonna take you to either a track day or carding or both, and then we'll, okay. we'll have you back on and we'll we'll talk about okay. just fun. Well, stuff. we've been carding once, Ian. Oh, we. Have oh, you have a carding backstory with Ian. How many times did he ram your cart? <laughs> there was some dodging. <laughs> I think I was probably just a hey. I'm, I'm That's how he always frames know. it. That's how he always frames it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pip pip. I don't remember. That was that uh, pole position in Oklahoma City, yeah. right? 
which is no yep. longer in existence. Unfortunately. It is not. No. Nope. Pour one out. Uh, yeah, pour one out for pole position. <laughs> <laughs> Carding is very strenuous. I had no idea. It is. It's quite the workout. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like the uh, very nerdy CrossFit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dave took me carding on Friday and, uh, and, uh, I got home and it was so strenuous that, um, my wife took a picture of my back to show me how, uh, awesome my sweat pattern was. It was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> it's too bad. We don't have a picture of that for the show, Ian. Oh, yeah. what a shame that I stole her phone and ran it through the dishwasher. <laughs> Well, Joe, we really appreciate it. So tell the tell the folks where they can find you, uh, what they should do to look for your reporting and your team's reporting. Yeah, uh, you can uh, Colorado Public Radio tune into it, uh, CPR.org. and get our climate uh, newsletter at CPR.org slash climate weekly. Um, we put that out once a week. Um, lots of climate stuff, a lot of electric car stuff. We get, we're doing a ton of electric car stories, uh, infrastructure stories. So if you want to geek out about, um, you know, not only climate science, but weird weather, transportation stuff, bus rapid transit, 220 plugins for your car, heat pumps, all the weird tech stuff. Um, that's a good place to go. Nice. Nice. Okay. Awesome. Right. And Dave, where should people go if they enjoyed whatever this was? Well, follow us at Apex Adjacent on all the things, right? Uh, if you see a weirdo out there in the world with a vanity plate that makes no sense whatsoever or is just disgusting, text it to 720-515-1391. Uh, and yeah, uh, so do those things for us. Yes. Um, thank you, everyone. Thank you again, Joe. Uh, we love you. Goodbye.